It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, November 18, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported no new coronavirus cases on Tuesday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. As of Wednesday afternoon, Sitka has once again transitioned down from high to a substantial COVID alert, with a seven-day case rate of seven. If Sitka sees more than nine cases over a seven-day period, the city will return to high alert. Statewide, positive cases continue to trend upward, with a total of 423 new cases reported Tuesday. Sitka is one of only five municipalities currently below a high alert level. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the city has reported 1,220 cases, 24 hospitalizations, and five deaths. Federal investigators have released more information about a commercial passenger plane that crashed at Juno's airport during takeoff last month. But investigators haven't yet determined what caused the small passenger aircraft to lose control as it picked up speed on the runway, forcing the pilot to crash land. Clint Johnson is Alaska chief of the National Transportation Safety Board, which is running the investigation. The question, the $64 question at this point right now, is what caused that loss of control? And that's what we're trying to figure out. We're looking very closely at the airplane, the systems on the airplane, uh, and also the engine manufacturer, which in this case is Honeywell. No one was reported hurt in the late October crash operated by Alaska seaplanes. The single-engine Cessna 208 was departing shortly before 9 a.m. for an 80-mile commuter flight to Skagway with a pilot and five passengers. According to the NTSB's preliminary report released Tuesday, the plane veered sharply to the right while accelerating down the runway. The pilot's efforts to turn the rudders left were ineffective, and the plane was in danger of crashing into a float pond that parallels Juneau International Airport's paved runway. The pilot couldn't stop, so instead lifted off to become airborne, turned and made an emergency crash landing on the runway. The aircraft was heavily damaged, the report says. Investigators say they examined the nose wheel steering system, brakes, and flight control systems, but found nothing that would explain the sudden loss of control. The report doesn't identify the professional pilot or five passengers, but Kent Crayford, co-owner of Alaska Seaplanes, says the pilot is doing very well and he's relieved nobody was hurt. She was uninjured, thankfully, as were the passengers uninjured. So we were very, very thankful that she was able to make an emergency landing that everyone was able to walk away from. The investigation into the October 22nd crash is continuing. Weather isn't believed to be a factor. Visibility was good, there were broken clouds, and winds were light, according to the report. The Sitka Community Land Trust has completed three homes and is working on building two more in its new cottage neighborhood on Halibut Point Road. The goal is to construct a total of seven cottages on the land trust current property and develop seven more on an adjacent parcel recently conveyed by the Sitka Assembly. The homes were sold for about $260,000, far below the market value for a new home in Sitka. In a presentation to the Sitka Chamber of Commerce on Wednesday, Land Trust Co-Executive Director Randy Huey said that the organization's formula for affordability included keeping the houses small, selling only the houses and not the land, and using grants to subsidize site preparation and utilities. Homebuyers will take 25% of the equity when they move out of their homes, which will allow them to make a down payment on another property on the open market and allow the Land Trust to sell a subsequent buyer at close to the original cost, creating perpetual affordability which is very different than most affordable housing models, whereby the first owner gets an affordable house and then they capture all of the increase in equity over time. And pretty soon it no longer is able to be purchased by a person that, let's say, 80 percent of the area median income. 
Huey and fellow co-director Mim McConnell discussed some of the hurdles that the land trust has overcome to get this far, including winning people over to the idea of sharing the equity on a $260,000 investment. Huey said buying a home from the land trust was a rung on the ladder out of renting. He thinks the math works, especially given the condition of many homes on the open market in Sitka. If you can buy a house on the open market, then you probably should, you see. Um, the probably, uh, it, it, there's a, some hesitation in my answer there because some of the homes that people can buy need so much work and are such energy sinks that this six-star rating all-electric home with no maintenance to be done, well, there's a lot to be said about that in terms of quality of life, in terms of the do you want to work on a home? If you have the maybe the, the desire, then maybe getting out and buying that fixer-upper is absolutely a thing. If that's not your thing, this is a pretty good deal, uh, just in terms of your lifestyle, as well as, I believe, your economics, certainly as it relates to rental. Huey described additional plans for the project, including storage sheds, a common workshop, an outdoor play area and shelter, and a gravel path following the Mill Street easement up to Edgecombe Drive. Grant funding would help cover the cost of shared amenities, again, to keep down the purchase price of the houses. The land trust is kind to keep their prices in a sweet spot, not low income, but somewhere in the middle. So who qualifies, who can buy one of our houses? We allow people up to 120% of the area median income to buy our houses. Well, that's, um, it gets into an area where perhaps those people could buy a house on the open market and perhaps not. Um, our, none of our buyers approach that level yet at this time. And then so at the bottom end, how much money does it take to buy one of our houses? Ballpark, something on the order of $50,000 annual income, annual household income, which is $25 an hour total household income. Anyone interested in applying for a home from the Sitka Community Land Trust has to take an eight-hour online home choice class from the Alaska Housing Finance Corporation. SCLT co-executive director Mim McConnell said that Land Trust had a stewardship approach to homeowners and was willing to work with them through financial difficulties. Nationwide, McConnell said the default rate for Land Trust homes was only 4%. You can find a link to more information about the Sitka Community Land Trust on our website, kcaw.org, along with their full presentation on the Sitka Chamber of Commerce Facebook page. Wrangell's current spike of COVID-19 cases, 40 known active cases as of Monday evening, is having an outsized effect on the school district. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. Wrangell School Superintendent Bill Burr says that even with the strict mitigation measures in place at Wrangell's public schools, the current COVID outbreak has hit the student population, which is affecting attendance. We have more students out currently than we have had for some time. Burr says the district doesn't closely track the number of students who have tested positive for COVID-19 or are quarantining due to close contact. It's an ever-changing number. It isn't, uh, it isn't as easy as saying we have this many because tomorrow it may be different depending on uh, the cases that are there. So we, we don't keep track of the specific number because there are so many reasons why a student might miss uh, a day. In a normal week, he says about 10% of the district's students are out of the building, whether because of travel or illness of some kind. Lately, it's been as high as 20%. Given Wrangell's reported enrollment, that's between 40 and 50 students out of class. 
But Burr says it's not all pandemic-related. We've had some that preemptively have pulled students. Some are on vacation. Some are out for other reasons. Um, so it's really hard to, to pinpoint. We kind of look at any student who isn't in the building is absent for whatever, uh, whatever reason. They're not counted absent if they are distance learning, but we look at it from uh, who's in, in school uh, at, uh, on any given day. Burr says in response to the current outbreak in Wrangell, the district is ramping up COVID testing. Student-athletes are already tested regularly since they travel to other communities for competitions. We have been receiving uh, test kits as well as some send-home test kits that we didn't have before. So I think our capabilities are better, and as our testing program at the schools continues, we're getting better in that efficiency-wise. So... We're looking forward to the the community in the school um, trying to fight this current outbreak. The district's close contact COVID quarantine and testing policies differ depending on whether an individual is vaccinated or unvaccinated against the coronavirus. Asymptomatic vaccinated students and staff who are close contacts of COVID cases are allowed to attend school and test a few days later monitoring symptoms. But if a student or staff member is unvaccinated, they have to quarantine for at least five days, take a test, then return once their negative test result comes back. Penny Allen, a middle school girls basketball coach and parent with a daughter at the high school, told the school board at its Monday meeting that she is opposed to how its policy treats vaccinated and unvaccinated students and staff differently. She said she believes the district's testing regime does a good job of identifying cases. In putting, putting this policy in place, you now have, I believe, in my opinion, discriminated against the unvaccinated students and staff by making only them quarantine when both parties can spread COVID. And also in doing so, you now inadvertently publicize to the entire school who those students and staff are. It's pretty easy to figure out. But the board did not move to change its policies for individuals that come in close contact with someone who's COVID positive. It's not the first time there have been differences in guidelines for vaccinated and unvaccinated students and staff. While the Wrangell Public School District's COVID testing policy for student-athletes is meant to be strict, the district ran into issues earlier this fall with balancing district and local mandates. The Borough Assembly rejected the district's request to allow unvaccinated Wrangell student-athletes to skip the borough's required quarantine earlier this month. Burr's superintendent report to the school board stated that unvaccinated student-athletes will continue to quarantine after travel as outlined in the borough's travel testing policies, which mandate quarantining after travel for at least five days followed by a negative COVID-19 test, in addition to following the district's testing protocols. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. 